Subaru Outback 2.4 Turbo, the new XT model. It's finally here after only two years or something, which has got to be the longest friggin' gestation in Australian automotive history. The burning question, I suppose, is, is it good enough? Logan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. Australia only. Overseas, dude. Website. Card. Now, got this question here from Andy Fabry, who says, Subaru Outback. And this is on the tip of not just Andy Fab's tongue. There's a lot of tongue-tipping XT pontification going on at the moment. Certainly there is in my inbox. I've never seen so many tongues in my inbox on this. Anyway, he says, Subaru Outback, I was wondering, I watched your video on YouTube and was wondering if the CVT is still a rubbish engine. That's cryptic, isn't it? Or would you know if they fixed it up? Yeah, I would. Because I know there were issues with it. I think I know where he's heading with this one, so let's just go down the track of answering what I think AFAB really means, shall I? Got some cheat notes here in addition to the question. I'll refer to them if you don't mind, just because old school. Anywho, a CVT is not an engine, in case there's any doubt about that, you know. It's a transmission type, and CVTs have a couple of features. A they're really good at saving money on fuel because they're highly fuel efficient. They're not that nice, typically, to drive, though, because they do tend to drone on a bit. And they have made advances with CVTs, but they still kind of just drone on a bit. They're not exciting in the way that an epicyclic automatic can be exciting to drive with all of that revving up and changing up and falling back in the revs and repeat kind of caper. Uh, DCTs have this wonderful shift quality when you're up it for the rent. CVTs not so much. CVTs typically not so good at towing, although they have fixed this somewhat in the new XT Outback, so there's that. Now, I want to start here by putting Subaru in perspective for you if you're in the market for one, an Outback XT or, frankly, any other Subaru, because Subaru started off in Australia as a really quirky sort of nothing brand that only someone with dreadlocks and a friggin' bone through his nose would buy, right? Sort of a hippie car, you know? And then they kind of stuck to their guns. They were extremely passionate about a really tightly defined niche that just catapulted them into the top 10, right? And that would be rally-bred passion, all-wheel drive, fuck you, wear Subaru kind of thing. The WRX was just a stupendous performance car and this passion really leveraged them into the big time. I was infected by the virus. I've owned four of the bloody things from brand new. I've had two WRXs, a Forester XT and an Outback 2.5i. But there are plenty of people who, like me, but not on four, they're probably on seven, eight, nine, ten Subarus or whatever, right? And they don't shop. They don't shop comparatively anyway. They don't go and say, well, what's Toyota offering and what's Mitsubishi got? And Hyundai, maybe they've got something good. Like, they just turn up to the dealership and they go, oh, I have another Forester, mate. Just the new one like that one I'm trading in. And there are so many people like this, okay? But what I've noticed, and this is just my personal 
observation of the brand, right, is that over the past 10 years, two things. One is a slight attenuation in quality control. I don't think they're as reliable as they were. I just don't. And also, I think the passion is suffering the death of a thousand bean counter cuts. I really do. And I'll give you a couple of examples of that. I wrote them down in my cheat notes so I don't forget one. Like dropping the WRX hatch in the previous Rex. What were they thinking? Okay. Botching the Lavorg. Like if there was a car that could just kick the biggest goal, just don't spell it grovel backwards and call it a WRX wagon, which I note they've essentially done with this new model, right? They ditched the Forester XT. WTF, dudes, like, come on. It took them at least two years to get the 2.4 turbo out back here, right? Like, it, that engine was available in the United States from the get-go. So why did we miss out? Like, please explain. And as I understand it, the dudes at Subaru Australia wanted that engine badly, okay? But Subaru Australia is not really Subaru. It's really a private importer called Inchcape or an independent importer is probably a better way to put it. So I don't think they carry quite as much leverage into Subaru Central as a factory-owned distributorship, right? I think it's much more a case of Subaru back in the land of the rising sun telling the dudes at Inchcape what they're going to get and just suck it up like big boys, right? Two years to get that car here is too long. It should have been here from the get-go. I mean, that is patently obvious. Now, this is an example of the passion, right? Just dying and dying and dying and dying, right? And if you really do kill one of the key things, one of the core elements of your success, guess what happens ultimately it would be my sort of assessment of that. That's where we're headed and I hope they don't go there because, hey, I'm still infected. I've just come to terms with my addiction, right? So let's look at the current Outback Sport 2.5i and compare it to the Outback Sport 2.4t version, like the new turbocharged version. And then let's just make some sort of objective assessment about whether they've done enough, come enough forward from the previous Outback 3.6R, because the 2.4T essentially is there to fill the niche that was formerly occupied by the 3.6R. So this is the core question, right? Like there's no doubt that the 2.4T is better than the Atmo 2.5 Outback in every measurable respect. My question is, is it enough of a step forward from the former 3.6R? So if we just run the numbers, 138 kilowatts at 5,800 RPM for the base model 2.5i, okay? 183 kilowatts at 6,000 for the 2.4T. Now, this is a 33% power increase at the peak, okay? And you are definitely going to feel that overtaking a friggin' truck, especially loaded up on holidays.
You won't need a sundial to measure the time now. So that's nice. When it comes to peak torque, this is where things get really interesting, right? If you go from a 2.5 Atmo Outback to the 2.4 Turbo, you're going to go from 245 newton meters up to 350, which is a 43% increase. And of course, the torque figure translates directly to mid-range power. But not only that, the spread for the peak torque for the Atmo 2.5 engine is from 3,400 to 4,600, but the 2.4 turbo engine is from 2,000 revs up to 4,800. So this is just a wall of torque from 2,000 to 4,800 and then up to the red line where it's honking. This is what turbo engines are really good at, right? Atmo engines get better on a straight line sort of thing as the revs increase, but turbo engines go and they just keep pushing. They're just awesome in the mid-range. And that is exactly what this engine does. And of course, when you're not up it for the rent, it's gonna be reasonably fuel efficient. So that's also nice, right? When you look at the power to weight ratio, there's a big jump from the Atmo engine at 85 watts per kilo to 108 for the turbo engine, right? That's huge, it's a 27% increase. And it's not the 33% increase that the power's come up because the weight is also greater, right? So the 2.4 turbo engine, that packaging, that model is heavier. It's about 100 kilos heavier, a bit less, about 70 something kilos heavier. Anyway, it's gonna go about a third better in a straight line, flat out rounding up a truck in limited time overtaking whatever okay you've been in that situation and if you're in it again you'd want to be in the turbo car dude what is perhaps not quite so clear cut here is whether the 2.4 turbo engine is enough of a step forward from the 3.6 r because if you're looking at the specs and trying to decide right you've got a 3.6 r and you're trying to decide whether to trade it in and go with the 2.4 t and are you going to be happy with that here's your answer okay it's not as powerful, the 2.4T. It's come back about, well not about, it's come back eight kilowatts. Same revs, eight kilowatts less. Your 3.6R was rated at 191 when it rolled off the production line. The 2.4T, 183. So, at the outset, that seems bad because the 3.6R that you might own right now was also a little bit lighter, about 35-ish kilos lighter, no, 30 kilos lighter. So there you go, it's a little bit lighter and a little bit more powerful, which is both good for the one you own now. And the peak torque is the same, it's like 350 Newton meters, but here's the difference, okay? With your 3.6R, the peak torque is at one point in the rev range, 4,400 RPM, which is pretty high. So that engine needed a real rev to perform and it only really got its rocks off between four and a half thousand rpm sort of thing or maybe four thousand and six thousand below that it really wasn't that much of a step up from the 2.5 i engine okay at least that's how it always seemed to me when i drove them now with the new engine that peak torque which is numerically the same of 350 that is from 2000 to 4800 and obviously 
torque and power are related. Torque times revs equals power, as long as you include the right fudge factor to change RPMs into radians per second. That's a physics thing, okay? So basically what I'm saying is that that 350 Newton meters is applied all the way from 2000 to 4800 with this new engine. And what that means is that at 4400, both engines at wide open throttle are gonna perform the same. But between 2000 and 4400, the 2.4T is gonna take a big dump all over the 3.6R. And then a little bit over that as well, until some point when the curves cross over and the Outback 3.6R would be in front, hypothetically, in a drag race, okay? So I think in that respect, the 2.4T is a much better engine. It's going to feel more effortless at normal driving revs. But when you're wringing its neck, the old one would really have gone just a little bit better. The other big advance, of course, is that if you've got the 3.6R, it was rated only to tow 1,800 kilograms, okay? And the new one is rated to tow 2,400, and they haven't fudged it either because the 1,800 rating with the previous one, right, that came with a 180 kilo tow ball download limit. The 2.4 tonne limit on the current one, the 2.4T, comes with a 240 kilogram tow ball download limit. That's according to Redbook. And of course, this is a step up from the 2.5i, which is 2,000 kilograms and 200 kilograms, okay? Maximum towing, tow ball download limit. So what this means is they have really beefed that 2.4 driveline in some way because that is a substantial increase in towing capability. And they must have tweaked the CVT because CVTs are notoriously bad at towing. And 2.4 tonnes is a serious thing to be dragging behind a vehicle which weighs 1,703 kilos dead empty. Okay, I'm not sure I would do that. If it was me... I would probably limit myself to towing just two tonnes with a vehicle of that nature, but the manufacturer's limit is what it is and the rules are what they are. I tend to err on the side of conservatism here, but I'd suggest that this towing thing, right, is evidence that substantial work has been done in the background to beef that driveline. And I don't believe there's anything wrong with Subaru's CVTs, which was a question that AFAB asked in his initial rant about he knows that there have been some issues but really they're just not as exciting to drive as a dual clutch transmission or as refined really as an epicyclic automatic but they do save you a shit ton of fuel so this thing is a trade-off and as as i see it there's no epidemic of failed subaru cvt so the fundamental engineering is okay the only thing you've got to decide is are you going to be happy with all of that 